morning to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We want to welcome everybody that's here today, visitors from North Carolina, visitors from Georgia. We are glad you're here. And visitors maybe that I don't even know about now, we're glad that you're here. And we're glad for those of you who are listening online. And we pray that we can be a blessing to you somehow or another this morning. And uh, I want to preach today on the subject of apostasy or the great falling away and strong delusion. And uh, I just appreciate everybody. Boy, wasn't that a good Bible class this morning? Didn't, didn't old Reg Kelly need that one? Amen. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. I tell you what, I'd have sat there all by myself just to get that. And I'm going to try to put that into practice in the days to come. I don't think there was a point he talked about, brother, that I didn't need. And I'm serious about that. It's, it's a joy. I, uh, I, I tell you something going on. And, and brother Helfrich, I want to get with you and your wife here sometime soon. Uh, we need to increase our missions somehow or another situation. And I'm wondering maybe if you and I shouldn't visit and see if God couldn't enlarge and expand our mission uh, experience here at this church. We need that. And uh, I just I tell you, if, if church that's not reaching souls is a dying or a dead church already. And boy, I tell you what, I'm glad. I'm just glad to be at a place where God's spirit's at. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you right now. Boy, I, I just again want to thank you folks in Georgia coming and I'm going to eat that deal. And you folks in Carolina is coming. And I don't know where the rest of you is from, but rest of us, most of us, rest of us are hillbillies. Amen. But I tell you, hillbillies can sing when they want to. Amen. But anyway, 2 Thessalonians, we're in chapter number 2. They're going to put that up on the wall this morning. If you don't happen to have a Bible with you, you're welcome to read that. And I hope you got your Bible with you and you'll mark some verses here. The Bible said, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind nor troubled. I believe that goes right along with what you was preaching this morning. Amen. Amen. And by the way, need to pray for uh, Shay. It'd be, where are you at, Whitney? It'd be your nephew, right? My niece. Your niece. They took in a helicopter to St. Louis. Is that yeah, correct? She's four years old. She got diagnosed with RSV. Um, she's not doing too well. They just went ahead and carried back her to St. Louis, St. Jude's. So hopefully, hope for the best for her. You bet. Let's pray right now for this. For Lord, we bring this to the four-year-old before you. Lord, if it's one of my children or one of my grandchildren, my heart would be extended out to you, Lord, for them. And we pray for them this morning, God, that you'll have mercy and help them through this time and heal them and help them through. And, and Lord, there's hurts all over this church and families are hurting. The, the sicknesses here and the situations there and God, all kinds of nonsense the devil throw at us and this old cursed world that we live in. But God, we've come to worship you this morning. We pray for your help, your divine help. Oh God, reach down in the hearts where nobody else can reach. And minister to people today. God, may they know that you honestly love them, that you care about them, that you've made every provision, Lord, for their eternal, for your, for their eternal safety and security in Christ. God, we pray today for folks that are not saved, Lord, they'll be saved. I pray, God, they'll turn and receive Jesus Christ. Lord, they'll leave this old world and leave their sin and repent and come to Jesus. I pray, God, today for the children of God that are here. I pray, Lord, that you help them to know it'll be worth every mile. It'll be worth every trial. God, we thank you, Heavenly Father, that you had mercy upon us and called us. And Lord, we just praise you this morning. We praise you, God, that you created this world and you're going to be the judge. And you're going to set it all right in the end. God, in the meantime, help us to, Lord, literally get into this word. Help us not to run upon our emotions, but to run upon the word of God. Lord, we don't even trust our own heart, but we do trust your word. 
Lord, bless this message, I pray, to those that are here, and God, use it for your glory's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Uh, continuing reading, that you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word. I mean, if there's a spirit comes and bothers you, don't let it bother you. Amen. Not by word nor by letters from us that the day of Christ is at hand. We preached last week that the day of Christ begins when Jesus comes back and through the thousand year reign. That's the day of Christ. You better get that right. Or they'll, try to mix, they'll try to mess you up on this text. Let no man deceive you by any means. Now, y'all don't understand that in your Bible. Let no man deceive you by any means. And he just talked about the means above that verse that they can do it. Just maybe a spirit or somebody says something or somebody writes a book or whatever it may be. He said, let no man deceive you by any means for that day, the day of Christ, the return of Christ and his reign upon this earth shall not come except they're coming. Here's what I'm preaching on this morning. A falling away first. Before the Lord comes back in power and in glory, there's going to be a falling away, a great falling away. And the Bible teaches us in many places. And it says, and falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. In other words, the Antichrist is going to be revealed during the tribulation period before the Lord Jesus comes back, Revelation chapter 19. The man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. We're talking here about what is commonly called the Antichrist, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, as you know, that spiritual privilege after the church is taken out, prior to tribulation, the uh, spiritual privilege returned to Israel, the Jewish people. And they're going to rebuild the temple over there. And the Antichrist is going to make a covenant with the Jewish people. And he's going to as it were, befriend them. And in the middle of the tribulation, Daniel teaches us that he will, he will, that it'll be cut off and he'll turn on them and betray them. And he will go in the temple of God as God and Jesus Christ himself. Now, this is what he's talking about. This is the context of this. This is one of the top chapters in the Bible concerning the Antichrist. Amen. And he, uh, Satan ultimately wants your worship in however manner or way he can get that done. Can I tell you that folks that didn't go to church today went to church? Right. Folks that didn't go to worship Jesus did worship? The neglect to worship God in its ultimate end is worship of the devil. He got you to do what he wanted you to do. He got you to obey him and submit to him and bow to his will instead of the will of God. So he said in verse 5, Remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. And in verse number uh, 7 is going to tell you what that is that withholdeth, that the mystery of iniquity doth already work. The, the Antichrist, the, the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. It was in the world back in Christ's day right on through. But he said, the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let. And the Holy Spirit of God is restraining the, uh, the, the devil and Satan and the Antichrist uh, what, through the work of the church, the church on the earth. But when the church is taken out, the Holy Spirit is, is omnipresent. He, he's, he don't leave somewhere not there. But his restraining power against evil and wickedness. By the way, what would this country be without the church today? Amen. What would this country be without, without Christian people influencing in government and praying and standing for what's right? I mean, folks, I'll tell you, it just rolled in like a flood. It's already trying to do that. Well, when the church is taken out, that's why he's saying it's going to come in like a flood. Amen. And it's going to roll in like a sewage pipe busted all over the nation of wickedness and evil, the likes of which you've never seen yet. And so he says there, only he who now let us will let until he be taken out of the way. And that means the Holy Spirit's restraining power will be removed and evil will just come in. Then verse number eight says, and then, 
And at the end of the tribulation, that wicked, that son of perdition, that man of sin, the Antichrist, be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Let me say, sir, it's not a, the battle between God and Satan is not like, oh man, I don't know which way this thing's going to go. It's not that at all. God's going to destroy him. Boom, it's going to be over with so fast, make his head swim. Amen. There is no doubt about the outcome of this thing. You just need to be sure you're on the right side of things. Amen. And so then he says this, verse number uh, nine, even him who's coming is after the working of Satan, talking about the Antichrist, with all power and signs and lying wonders. And so what he's saying here is, listen, this, this Antichrist, he's going to Im- imitate Jesus Christ. And try to set up his kingdom and do it with power and signs and lying wonders. And it's amazing how people like power and signs and lying ones more, wonders more than just simple faith, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. They, I mean, they get excited to see somebody's leg grow, but they won't get excited when you tell them Jesus died and paid for your sin on the cross and shed his blood. They'll get excited if somebody's able to make you hair grow on your head or something. I mean, I don't know, but they get, get excited about anything but the right thing. But anyway, look at verse 10. And with all deceivableness, that's an unrighteousness in them that now, watch the subject of deceivableness. It talks about being deceived up there in, in the earlier verses. With all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Now, watch this. Why? Why were they deceived? Why will they perish? Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. I want to tell you something this morning. If you don't remember anything else I'll tell you today, rejecting truth is the most dangerous thing you will ever do in your life. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He said, my word is truth. And when you reject the Bible, you've rejected Christ. You reject Christ, you've rejected the word of God. And when you reject truth, the Bible said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Amen. I would tell you, don't even tell me you love me unless you'll tell me the truth. Amen. I'll tell you, the Bible said charity. People talk about God is love and well to love. The Bible says charity rejoices in truth. Amen. You give me a man that's honestly saved. Give me a woman that's honestly saved and they won't get hot and, and ticked off whenever they hear preaching against sin. They'll rejoice in the truth and they'll say, bless God Almighty. Let them have an amen. That's exactly right. People that are saved have the spirit of truth in them and they want the truth. Amen. Then it said in verse number 11, for this cause, because they rejected the truth, that they might be saved, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned that be- who believed not the truth and had pleasure in unrighteousness. I want to preach on the subject, the great falling away and the strong delusion. The two verses up there in verse uh, number four or three where it says the falling away and because of that falling away and that rejection of the truth, God is going to send what he calls strong delusion. And because of that delusion, they'll be, believe a lie and be damned. Now, I want to tell you right now, if you reject Jesus Christ, you're going to be in trouble. Because God will send strong delusion in your mind and you'll believe a lie and be damned. Now, I know that the context here is during the tribulation period when the Antichrist, what the deal is, they rejected the true Christ 
And now here comes the Antichrist and they're going to believe on him. Jesus talked about this in the Gospels. He said, he said, if I come on, he said, you don't believe me, but if another comes in my name, you'll believe him. In other words, you reject the truth. There's something God has put in the universe is that if you throw truth out the door, you're going to get deceived and you're going to believe a lie. It is important to know the truth. Now, what is apostasy? The word apostasy itself is not in the Bible, but it, it uh, and I, you can hear a lot of different definitions about it, and I'm not sure anybody's got it all down because it's, it's a, it, to me, it's a, um, it's a difficult thing to just put your hand on exactly and define. But there are several passages of Scripture we'll be looking at, and some of the, you can actually get 2 Timothy up there now if you want to, boys. But let me just give you a definition about apostasy. Apostasy is, is a desertion or a leaving of the biblical faith in Christ. Now notice I said biblical Christianity. It is not a leaving of professing to be saved or professing to be a Christian. But it is a leaving of biblical Christianity. It is the act of, of uh, the lip speaks, but the life doesn't. It is the act of professed Christianity, but those who reject the clear revealed truth of the Word of God. It is a rejection and an abandonment of the preserved Word of God. Now, I want you to hang with me this morning. It is an abandonment of the authority and, the, and submission to the Word of God after claiming that you have received Christ as your Savior. To profess biblical Christianity, but reject its teachings in practical daily living. Apostates depart from the faith, but not from an outward profession of faith in Christ. And this is the description of America today. America claims to be Christian, but I'm telling you right now, churches by the thousand and Christians by the, quote, professing Christians have rejected the authority of God's word over their life. We've got a smorgasbord Christianity that I will take what I want out of it. And if I don't like that, I'm leaving it out and nobody t- can tell me differently. I want you to look at the passage of scripture with me in 2 Timothy chapter 3. This know also that in the last days, and if we're not there, I don't know when we will be. Perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. If that didn't describe in this country, traitors or without natural affection, kill their own babies. Uh, In this stupid country, you get in trouble for killing a dog, kill your baby, and and they'll almost give you a reward and pay for it. Put you in jail for killing a puppy. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors. This country, we got people leading this country that are traitors. They're traitors. Let me just tell you something. When you tell all us you got to have a vaccine shot or get a mask on and tell them guys crawling across the border down there that they don't have to do nothing, you're crazy. Telling us we got to be vaccinated, we got to wear a mask, and we got to do this to keep our job and the nursing job and this job and that job. And, and, and open the borders? Yeah. Yes. Come on, man. Amen. It's nuts. That's treason. Amen. Anyway, I'll get off of that. Now watch, here's where I want to get. Having, God says they're lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And here's the description of the apostasy. Having a form of godliness, 
but denying the power thereof. God says from such turn away. You get away from those people. Stay away from them. Now here's what he's telling. Having a form. You ever walked up to a mannequin in a store? A form. But no life in it. No, no power in it. It's just a form. Having a form of godliness, but deny the power of that. What's that mean? The word power in the Bible is always connected with the, the thought of authority. The powers that be. And so forth. What it means is these people have a form of godliness. They look and talk, but they deny that God can tell them how to live. And they get ticked when the preacher gets up and preaches the Bible and says, this is what God's word says. If you're like that, you're an apostate right now. You're an, you're an apostasy. You are, you are what God talked about right here. Amen. Go to Second uh, Timothy. Go on down to Second Timothy chapter 3. That's where we was at. First Timothy chapter 4. I charge thee there before God, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, now the Spirit speaketh especially in the latter times, some shall, here it is, apostasy, depart from the faith. Think about that phrase. Depart from the faith. Didn't say they quit going to church. Didn't say they quit having prayer over the meal. Didn't say they quit preaching. Didn't say they quit being a missionary. Didn't say they quit doing this and that. It said they departed from the faith. Watch this. The Bible says faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the word of God. What does it mean then to depart from the faith? It means you left the Bible. The Bible. And uh, that's just the fact of it. Verse number two, what will happen to them then? They will speak lies in hypocrisy. That will be the result of it. Having their conscience seared with with a hot iron. It goes on down to a bunch of stuff there that has went on in, in a lot of things. But that verse there, let's go to 2 Peter uh, chapter 2 right now. While they promised them liberty. Yeah. Now here, the chapter, the chapter context is about false pro- teachers and false prophets, okay? And it goes all down through about what they'll do. But when it comes down at the end of it, it says, while they promised them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. Do you know this country, this country is full of preachers who are immoral? Promising people liberty and they themselves are servants of corruption. Preachers that are watching pornography. Christians that are watching pornography. Of whom a man has overcome the same as he brought in bondage. And that's what all that stuff will do to you. For if after they have escaped the... Watch this. Everybody with me. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome... The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. And you know that's the truth. Somebody's made a profession of faith and then they don't follow through with it and they don't want to, there's no repentance there, see. They don't want to leave their old lifestyle. They still love the world and the things of the world and they're still friends with the world. It's harder to ever deal with them than it was the first time. Now watch what God says. It had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness 
that after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Now watch this. But it has happened unto them according as the true, true proverb, the dog is returned to his vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Now let me tell you something. God never calls his people dogs and he never calls his people sows. That's a term for male and female human being that God uses the, the practices of those animals, what they're like. And he said that dog will vomit, watch this, he'll vomit out his old life in a profession of faith. And then here comes this trial of his faith that God says is more precious than gold. Your trial is precious because it's going to prove to you whether you're saved or not. Because see, God knows, but we don't even know sometimes. And and we, we, we can have all this head knowledge, but until we've been put through the trial, we don't know. And God puts you through the trial to show you who you are and who you're not. And that's why trial of faith is precious. Don't run from it. Be glad. Because if God shows you and proves you, you are saved. That's one of the best things that ever happened to you. And see, he loves you so much. Instead of letting you go on in your deception and in your, in your foolery. And in, in, where's that? Where's that? Go back to that. Go back to that. that second Peter. On up there. That we vomit out. He said that sow, that, that woman, she come up and she made a profession of faith and everything. But all of a sudden they found out they didn't like the things of God. And boy, they look back to that old life they had. And that old dog goes back and he goes to licking up that vomit. He goes to licking up that pornography, licking up that liquor, licking up that drug, licking up that money. And eating his own vomit back up. Not saved. But he made a profession. Watch this. He still make a profession. And the sow will go back to her wallowing. Go to the book of Jude right there. And uh, he said, Jude, the servant is going down here. Verse number three, beloved, I give all diligence to write unto you the common salvation was needed for me to write unto you, exhort you that you should earnestly contend for what? The faith which was once delivered to the saints. There are certain men crept in their wares before old ordained this combination, ungodly men. Watch this. Here's what these false prophets and these false churches stuff will do. They will turn the grace of God, our God into lasciviousness. That means shameless immorality. They'll say, because you're saved, you can go out and live any way you want to. Just let us, let us say your little prayer, repeat after me, get baptized, now go live like you want to. We'll never bother you here in church. There isn't, we, we require no repentance here at this church. And they turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. Now you listen to me. Lord, help me not say what I shouldn't say. God says when they turn the grace of God into lasciviousness, in other words, I'm a Christian, I can live any old way I want to, do what I want to and all that kind of stuff, and there's nothing, I can go live like, a, like the rest of the world. God says what they're doing is they're denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Go to the next one. I will therefore put you in remembrance that you do this. How the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them to believe not. What's that telling you? That everybody that came out of Egypt wasn't saved. Amen. Everybody that crossed through and came over and claimed to be a believer in the Messiah, the lamb that was slain, remember, the, 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 they, all, they, were, they did not all believe. They professed, but they didn't believe. 
And it goes and gives you examples. Angels which kept not their first estate, left their own habitation. He hath reserved the chains. Go on up. Sodom and Gomorrah talks about them. Talks about these filthy dreamers. They despile the flesh, despise dominion, speaking of the Michael Archangel and so forth. And if you, I'm not going to take time to go. Jude's just one chapter. But if you go through it, it is. Now watch this. Jude is right before the book of Revelation, which precedes the tribulation, talking about the tribulation period. Same thing with 2 Thessalonians, talking about the great falling away in the book of Jude, Jude prior to the book of Revelation. Now, let's go to Matthew 13, 33, uh, and 13, verse number 33, and we'll get that. Another parable spake unto them. But watch this, everybody. The kingdom of heaven is like the leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures till the whole was leavened. I don't know, I don't pretend to understand everything God allows, uh, his total plan. But I can tell you what, the leaven here is, can, is, of course, is false doctrine. Leaven's always false doctrine in your Bible. Well, false doctrine is how apostasy comes into a nation and into churches and families and individuals, okay? Here's what he's saying. You let a little leaven come in, a little false doctrine into a church, and it'll spread and kill the whole church. Amen. You let it come into a nation, let it come into a denomination, and it'll just spread till it's killed it all. Amen. He and I were talking last night about a particular group of, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I won't say whether denomination or not, but that we remember, we remember, brother, when they were sound, yep. they were fundamental, they believed the doctrines of the faith, and now, I mean, it's just washout. They, 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 they throw the Bible away, they went to the different, and by the way, let me just say this, when you throw the Bible away, the next thing will be the music, and the third thing will be the dress. Amen. That'd be, I mean, that's, that's, it's all over the country. If you don't believe me, you go check it out. Yeah. Now, in Hebrews chapter 6, I want to give you, and here I'm going to say this to you. Somebody say, well, Reggie, this doesn't apply to apostasy. Well, help yourself. It is impossible for those once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and powers of the will to come. Watch this. Now, you get this. If they shall fall away, we're not talking here about being saved and losing your salvation. You get saved, it's eternal life. You can't lose it. Amen. We're talking about that people can get so close. The taste, let me tell you something. Judas kissed our Savior. Judas, that's how close you can be to Jesus and still die and go to hell. He said there, if they shall fall away. Remember the falling away? The phrase in our text? To renew them again unto repentance. There's a biblical truth here in history. You can watch it and you read it in your Bible. Apostasy is not remedial. It can't be fixed. That's not to say that God can't fix anything, but historically, when nations or people or churches or individuals go into apostasy, there's no remedy. It's over. There's no fixing it, only judgment comes. You can't tell me one time in history when a nation or a people or a church or a denomination went into apostasy, they ever came back. Can you think of one denomination that's ever come back here in America? I could go all down through the major. You start with Episcopalians and Presbyterians, which are, your founders were members. They're all washed out. They're, they're, they're uh, ordaining queers and, and women preachers and on and on it goes. And right now, I, if I was just, you know, I, I won't do it because people say, what do you just mean? But if you just go up and down the road here. Every denomination, go through, you check their headquarters out. Almost every denomination in America is apostatized right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm being honest with you. I don't know one that's not. Yeah. And by the way, that's why you're seeing a lot of breakaway churches that aren't hooked up with anybody. 
I will tell you this, the Nazarene church come out of the Methodist church because they felt like the Methodist church was apostatizing, and that happened back in the early 1900s. Your Assembly of the God and a lot of your Pentecostals came out of some of your mainline churches, Southern Baptists and so forth, because they thought they were, because they were saying, they were getting away from the Bible, you're apostatizing, we're not going to be part of it, we come out. That's a historical thing that happens concerning apostasy. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll stop right there on that. Now, apostasy was hatched in Genesis chapter 3. When Satan questioned the word of God, yea, hath God said. That's how apostasy always starts, questioning the word of God. Yeah. Well, you, you reckon really this, that the Bible really means that or the Bible really yeah. say that and so forth. The, but here's the most dangerous thing about apostasy is that here's why apostasy is different from paganism and heathenism. They, apostasy still claims to be Christians and still claims to be saved. Yeah. That's the danger of it. I'd rather be a pagan than an apostate. Because apostasy used to reject that truth and you live in that deception and pretty soon you're turned over and you think right's wrong and wrong's right and up's down and down's up and you're just messed up. Modern day apostasy started what we, in, our modern, in our time as far as American Christianity and actually world Christianity started in the late 1800s with a couple of guys called Westcott and Hort. And these men were satanic to the core, but they took, uh, quote, they, they, quote, took uh, what they considered to be more reliable text of the Hebrew and Greek and started attacking the King James Bible in the late 1800s. Yeah. And they started infiltrating the, the Bible colleges and seminaries of America and telling p- young preacher boys that they couldn't depend on the Bible and the Bible had bad translations in it, needed to be corrected, and they started writing their new Bibles. Yeah. And uh, the apostate, apostasy in America, in a general sense, started in the late 1800s. And that's why you have, you, you saw a few uh, uprisings of revival during uh, uh, Billy Sunday's day and so forth. But you've never seen a move of, watch this now, you've never seen a move of God in America like we had in the 1700s and the 1800s where it changed the face of a nation. The revivals that you know about, even in the last hundred years, did not change the face of the nation. Billy Sunday come the closest to it by the shutting down. When he'd come into a town, a lot of times the beer joints would shut down and it changed everything. But you haven't seen that. None of you young people have seen a true biblical revival that changes the face of a culture. And if we don't have it, I guarantee you, we'll have it. We've had it. And what happens is they, they introduced new, quote, and quote, superior biblical uh, Hebrew and Greek texts. They attacked it and rejected and replaced the King James Bible in the Bible colleges. And then from there, it went out to the churches of America. Apostasy is like COVID. It's very contagious. Amen. It spreads and it infects people. And where there's no truth, where the truth is not firm in the church or the family or the heart, it will attack you and conquer you, and you will, it will become a palestine. But what it does, God uses it as a way of proving, the, of sorting the tares and the wheat, and those that are true and those that are not. And God allows affliction, and God allows maybe sometimes sickness, and God allows poverty, whatever it may be. Even wealth is allowed to show you who you are and who you're not. Historically, an apostate was one who claimed to be Christian, but denied. And this is when, when I first started preaching, this is what was described as an apostate. They didn't believe in the virgin birth of Christ. They didn't believe in the deity of Christ. See, Joseph Smith, the Mormon, Jehovah Witnesses, all that kind of stuff, they're apostate. They're apostate religious systems because they deny these things. All right. 
They would maybe possibly deny the triune Godhead. Maybe they denied the total sinfulness and depravity of man. Maybe they denied the blood atonement of Jesus Christ and his sacrificial death. They would deny the absolute necessity for a redeemer and a savior and a sacrifice and a substitute that died in our place. They would maybe deny salvation by grace alone and add works to it and so forth like that. And we've got that everywhere. You can say what you want to. That's apostasy from the, the faith once delivered to the saints. When you start adding works and your performance to the grace of God and the finished work of Jesus Christ, you are in apostasy. Not only that, then they maybe would deny afterlife or deny heaven or deny hell. These are things apostates have done historically over the years. And they would deny the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ and, of course, deny judgment. Now, the more dangerous apostasy that you and I are going to deal with most people you know wouldn't say, well, I don't believe in the virgin birth or I don't believe in the blood atonement. They would say, oh, yeah, I believe those things. But here's the dangers of the modern, what I say, the, the acceleration of apostasy. And that is the rejection of the infallibility, the inerrancy, the authority, the, the perfection and the preservation of God's word and the Christian's loving submission to it. That's the apostasy that's getting us nowadays. So the result, what's been the result of this modern day apostasy? Number one, it's been an irreverent spirit and attitude toward the word of God. And man placing his mind above the Bible, making it say what he wants it to say about what he wants it to say. This is why you hear all that you read, you, you go to any kind of devotional stuff, any kind of religious stuff, and these preachers are saying, well, a better translation would have been, and a more accurate translation would have been, and it should have, this was, this was so misfortunate. And, you know, they don't say, oh, those were terrible guys. You know, I'm going to tell you something. If those guys didn't, it didn't translate it right, by the way, it wasn't up to those men who did the translation. It was up to God. Amen. That's where they missed it. They think it's up to man. Oh, man, man did this, man did No, no, God was in the whole deal. God, God is able to direct and control the preservation and the translation of his word. Amen. And so when you got taught what, what they're saying, you see, they wouldn't dare say, well, God messed up. They said, well, those men did. But that's why they don't like that word preservation. You, I'll tell you what you do. Go, go check out a Bible college in this world that has in their doctrinal statement that they believe in the preservation of the word of God. You won't hardly find it one out of a thousand. That's why I don't encourage kids to go to Bible college. I, 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 I hate to say that. I'm sure there's probably some good ones out there, but not very many. So the result was an irreverent spirit and attitude toward the word of God. Secondly, a rejection of the authority of the Word of God in their life in a practical manner. And thirdly, a disobedient spirit to the Word of God. And I'll bring you back to the man named Saul who was told to do something by the prophet of God to destroy the Amalekites, and he, he didn't. And the Bible said there, to obey is better than to sacrifice. Now, don't ever forget that verse. God would rather you obey His Word than sell your house and give it to the work of the Lord. Amen. God would rather you just simply obey what his word says than for you to give everything you've got to Jesus. Quote. You know what's funny? We're we're like that as parents. We don't want our kids trying to reward us about something. We just want them to do right. To obey. Then that winds up in doing what's right in their own eyes. 2 Timothy 3, 5 again says that they wind up having a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. And the result of this is carnalness, carnalness and worldliness and sin becomes normal and accepted within the church. 
Apostasy is not necessarily error. Error may be just the ignorance of Scripture. It's different. I may not know. There's, there's things I, I learned, especially when I first got saved. Man, I tell you what, I found I had not really been in the Bible. I had not really heard the Bible preached very much. Uh, error may, it, it, it could be that they, somebody was just taught wrong or a lack of rightly dividing the word of truth. Or I'm not making excuses for them. I'm just saying there's a difference between error and apostasy. Uh, backsliding is not apostasy. You can be saved and just backslide on God and you just get away from the Lord. We're not talking about that. We're talking about one who intentionally and purposefully claims to be a Christian but denies the power of God and, and rejects the faith of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 29, 13 says this, Wherefore the Lord saith, For as much as this people draweth near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. And their fear is taught by the precept of man. Jesus quoted this verse twice in the New Testament during his ministry. He said those people, he said, you're an apostasy. Those, you know what the trouble with those scribes and Pharisees were? They professed to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But they no more would obey the word of God than the man in the moon. And they were going to live like they wanted to live irregardless of what the Bible said. Do you know what's really wrong with America? It's our apostate attitude toward the Bible. And the Bible said judgment has to start at the house of God. I'm not preaching down my nose at you people. This preacher needs to make up his mind that this book is what I'm going to be judged by at the at day of judgment. That this is what this book teaches is going to be what really matters. That this book is our wisdom. That this book is, our, is the way of, of life for God. And I need to submit myself to it and lovely, lovingly and cheerfully obey it and have a good spirit toward it. And not buck it and rebel against it and fight against it. Amen. Amen. Jesus, as I said, quoted it. Apostates have, number one, a disobedient spirit. Number two, they pick and choose. Now, here's what's going on in America. Preachers understand this. They sense apostate spirit, and so they adjust their preaching, and they adjust the churches to accommodate the apostate spirit that's in people. That's why you're not hearing any preaching on repentance, turn or burn. That's why you say, now, this sounds cute. Oh, come as you are. Fine. But you can't be in a Bible preaching church and stay the way you are. Nobody stayed the way they were when they came to Jesus. He changed them. Amen. Faith in Christ will affect the way you live. Let me just tell you something. Belief, genuine belief determines behavior. Everything else is hypocrisy. Everything else, this cheap talk is hypocrisy. Genuine belief and faith determines how man will live and think. Doesn't mean you won't have a fight with your flesh. Doesn't mean you won't struggle against the world. Doesn't mean that. But it does mean that the heart of yourself will be set toward that and you'll grieve when you are at odds with this book. The Holy Ghost of God will grieve inside you. They'll have a disobedient spirit. They have a pick and choose spirit. They have a love of the world and they are friends with the world. That's an apostate situation. Apostates justify and rationalize their rebellion and rejection of the word of God, of Bible truth. For instance, honor thy father and thy mother. They'll figure out a way just like the scribes and Pharisees to not do that. 
I, I, I was telling brother, I, the thing that just really ticks me off about this whole generation is the, the self-victimization. I'm so sick of it. But that's what your socialistic government wants you to do is feel sorry for yourself. I never saw, I mean, I'll tell you what, the average third world person is more grateful than the average American. He's, the average world person is grateful to have a thatched hut over his head or, or maybe one Coke a month. And we're, we're sitting there drinking three pops a day and can't be happy. And we've got this self-victimization. And so we want to blame mom and dad. We want to blame the preacher. We want to blame the, you know, we blame his. We won't take no responsibility for anything ourselves. Then you just talk about adultery. And adultery, of course, is a wide word. There's specific adultery. But I mean, it's just like, don't preach on adultery. Don't preach on divorce. Don't preach, don't preach on these things. Don't preach on immorality. Don't preach on perversion. And it's just, why? Because apostates don't put up with it. Lie and steal and be crooked in business. Modesty. You preach on modesty now. It's like you're some kind of uh, 14th century heretic. I want to tell you right now, this is the honest truth. Dress is one of the biggest strongholds I know of on the American people right now. And people in churches will come in and defy the word of God and stand against it. I'm going to tell you something right now. The first thing God did with the first people he ever saved was clothe them. You say what you want to. And by the way, let me just say, this. if you've got a bad attitude about being modest, you, maybe you're an apostate. Maybe, that, maybe you just got identified as an apostate because you have an attitude that God himself, this Bible will not tell me how to dress. Amen. Amen. I'm just being honest with you. And I love you enough to say so. I'm going to tell you something. Apostates love the world. Paul said, Demoth has forsaken me, having loved this present world. He said, man, I, 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 don't, want, I don't want nothing to, no more to do with this Christian business. Man, I love that world. I love their favor. I love their approval. I love their acceptance. And I want to be just like them. That's apostasy. We've been in a great falling away since the early 1900s. But it is now in acceleration. I want you to take your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. The seven churches of Revelation are a picture of the church age. Of course, there are actual churches. They're prophetic, but they're also practical. And they also tell you the condition of the church during uh, the time frame of history from the start of the church until the Lord takes the church out. The last church is chapter 3, verse number 14, the church of the Laodiceans. And it'll be up on the board here. If you don't care, guys, get up on the board in case you don't have your Bible with you. And let me just say something to you. We are in the Laodicean church age right now. Now, I want you to look at it very carefully because we're going to talk now about the strong delusion in a minute. Under the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness. But I want to tell you something. We need a faithful and a true witness in our day. The beginning of the creation of God. He's talking about Jesus Christ. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would, that were cold or hot. God said, I'd rather you just be on or off, in or out, hot or cold. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Somebody says, what's that mean? I don't know, but it sure don't sound good to me. I tell you, I used to chew, I used to chew good money chewing tobacco. And I'll tell you what, I developed a habit of spit and God took the tobacco away from him and never has taken the spit away from me. (laughs) And I spit all the time. You know why I spit? Because I don't want to swallow. God says, spew you out of his mouth. 
Now watch, what it, watch the condition of this church. Because thou sayest, in other words, the church says, the believer says, I am rich and increased with goods. I have never nothing. I don't need God. I don't, I don't need God to tell me how to live. I don't need God. I'll go to church when I feel like it. I'll let you know, God, if I need you. We get sick, Lord, we, we might need you. Lord, we have a bad financial situation, we might need you. But I, I want to ask you something today. What is it going to take for you to get devoted to Jesus Christ? You claim to be saved. You claim you're a Christian. You claim you've been born again. But what is it going to take for you to get consecrated and dedicated to God? I know, I know there will be carnal Christians. I understand all about that. But can I tell you something? This is not a day in which to live carnally. This is not a day, like he said, to be dinkering around. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't gamble my soul because if the description fits me of being apostate, boy, I don't, I, that scares me. He said that, and you need nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And I'm going to be honest with you. I believe he's talking to a lost church. I believe he's talking to a church full of lost people. If I'm wrong, God will straighten me out. I'm going to tell you why. Because the verse up there, 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door. At the door of where? Of the heart of the church. I stand at the door and knock. If any man is there, watch this. It'd be like Jesus coming back on that back door back here and knocking on that door. And one of the ushers said, yes, can we help you? Is there any man in this church house? It wants to let me in their life. I want to remind you something this morning. I'm not trying to. Jesus is the reason if you're saved, you're not going to hell forever. God's son. Innocent son. Left heaven. Took upon himself the form of man. Lived a sinless life. For your sake. Not because I know he's God. And he became the perfect sacrifice to die in your place, in my place, for our sin. Amen. This is the gospel. You're getting the gospel. This is the good news. Because you can't never live good enough to please God. You'll never do it. You'll come up short every time. And he lived that sinful life, and he died as a sacrifice for our sin in our place on that cross and shed his blood. It is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Somebody's going to have to die for your sin. Jesus already did it. And when we're talking about dying and death, we're talking about eternal separation from God, the second death. And if you do not receive that sacrifice of Jesus Christ and believe on him with your heart. Now, you listen to me good. Nowhere in your Bible, and I know I say this every once in a while, nowhere in the Bible does it say if you'll come down that aisle and, 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 and bow right there, if you'll come forward, God will save you today. Let me tell you how God will save you. When you place your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And a lot of people are dying and going to hell. And, and, and we see this apostasy because, you see, here's the deal. <clears throat> he got this morning taught 
a practical way of dealing. By the way, if you didn't get this, I'd encourage you, be here at Bible class. Some of the best services we have are Bible classes in the morning. And I'm telling you, he taught you practically, this Bible, how to live in the days of COVID and vaccination and all this junk and all this garbage going on. Taught from the Bible how to do that. It's a very practical, Christianity is a very practical, practical thing. But I am telling you this, you've got to have faith in a, in a crucified, buried, and risen Savior Amen. and believe on Him as your Savior in order to be saved. Amen. Repeating prayers and going forward and being baptized and all that stuff. I'm telling you right now, if you're dependent on any of that or how well you're living, you're lost and you're on the road to hell. Yeah. But here's what, here's what happens to those people. They've been told that if you come to Jesus and you, you receive Jesus, that everything will be good for you and everything go great and, and your life will be blessed and all this kind of stuff. And they go through this little rigmarole and then, then, then everything goes south. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, persecution comes and poverty comes and troubles come and they will, what happened to, I thought if I served Jesus, he'd be good and nice to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm done. I'm sour going back to the water. I'm the dog going to go back to my vomit. If that's all this is, I'm going back to beer joint. <clears throat> apostasy is never fixable. We have people sitting in churches across America that they attend and hold, the whole denomination is apostate. They're far from what they once were. People have no intention whatsoever of obeying anything from the Bible they happen to disagree with or that runs contrary to how they want to live. Whether it's in the area of separation, the area of truth, holiness, abstain from all appearance of evil, consecration, devotion, dedication, dress, modesty, gender, education, activities, love the world. They want to love the world, be friends with the world, go with the fads and fashions, and they're dishonest and deceived and pleasure-seeking and always looking for another satisfying the flesh. And this is apostasy. Now, listen to me tell you, there's a difference between a personal failure. Any, everybody will just a slip up, you messed up, or maybe back, and a pattern of life. Watch patterns. Don't, 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 don't get excited because somebody slipped and fell. You're all going to do that. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. But we're talking about a pattern of life, Sunday after Sunday, week after week, month after month, a rejection of the basic principles of life's living of the Word of God is a sign of apostasy. And yet say, watch it, yeah, I'm saved. What are you asking me if I'm saved for? Because I don't see any fruit. I love you. I want to ask you a question today. Where is the fruit and evidence of your salvation? Is there fruit? Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them. I'm, I'm not a fruit inspector, but he is. The Bible is. And I'm kind of like the old preacher said, I do know an apple from an orange. I'm not that stupid. Where's the fruit? Do you have a heart to serve? Do you care whether, when's the last time you ever witnessed, talked to anybody about their soul? When's the last time you looked at a coworker or somebody around and thought, you know, I wonder where they're going to spend it. I wonder if they're saved or not. There's no desire. There's nothing there. This is apostasy. It's a profession without any concern about anybody else being saved, about the glory of God in our lives. You say that you're saved. I put this on full Facebook here a while back, and man, I'll tell you what, set, I mean, I have more people get mad at me over this. False Bibles produced by false prophets used to train false teachers, produce false preachers yep. who preach false doctrine yep. in false churches yep. with a false Jesus yep. 
who has a false gospel, which comes from a false spirit that produces false converts, which make them false brethren with false gifts who have a false hope and have a false dedication and bear a false witness of God revealing that they have a false Christianity. And it's all because of a false Bible. The falling away gospel has no repentance in it. It is void of power to change a man's life. It not only comes as you are, but stay as you are. We will not judge you about anything. Can I tell you, if you're one of them people who goes around saying, judge not that you be not judged, you're dumber than a box of rocks, you're doing just what Satan wants you to do, yeah. you're taking a text out of context, the Bible tells you over and over again, fact of it is, let me just tell you something right now, if you're not judging me while I preach, you're dumber than I think you are. Yeah. You better be judging me right now. Amen. Is this man preaching the Bible? Amen. You are to judge. Constantly, nonstop throughout the day. You husbands and wives judge each other all the time. But then we pop up when it comes to a biblical issue and say, well, now don't judge not that you be not judged. Apostates will embrace and follow a false Christ. And that's what God says. He says, you reject the truth. I'm going to turn you over to strong delusion. I want to talk to you about delusions just a minute. The fruit of delusion is contradictory Bibles. And now let me tell you what's going on under the current in our nation right now. These kids are growing up, and they're being told that, well, everybody's got your own Bible. Yep. These kids aren't stupid. Amen. The older you get, the less you know, right? You understand that? I'm getting there. Been there. Kids know that if God wrote this over here, and God wrote this over here, and God wrote this over here, and God wrote this over here, that God's all mixed up. Yeah. Yeah. And he couldn't be God. Yeah. Now, they won't, they won't walk up to the preacher in the church and say, Pastor, you're mixed up, man. Yeah. If God's that stupid, I ain't going to worship him. They're not going to do that. They're just going to keep going to church. Yeah. But in their mind, they're going, if God can't keep his word straight, what else is wrong with him? Yeah. Yeah. And so you know what they say? I'm done with it. Yeah. Yeah. But if you ask them, oh, I went forward at camp. I went forward at Bible school. I went forward at church one day. Yeah, I've been baptized. That's where we're at. Yeah. Go down the street, knock on the door, and they'll tell you, they'll tell you, all, they'll tell you all this stuff. Yeah. It's apostasy. But they're a contradiction. And then there's this wimpy Jesus who sends nobody to hell. That's where apostasy will take you. Nothing is really sin. It's just shortcomings. We all sin. We're only human. That's the kind of apostasy talk that comes. And no one is to judge on anything. Let me just give you a few things and we're done. Wealth will delude you. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Put that up on the board, boys. 1 Timothy chapter 6. The Bible tells you that, that they that will be rich fall into many deceitful lust, snares and traps. Look at them. Go on up there, if you will, up chapter 6. Watch this. We brought nothing. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing in this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment with less, be content. But they that will be rich, they want to be, fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish. Do you notice that word fall? We're talking about falling away. Many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Perdition is hell. 
The love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, pierced themselves through with many sorrow. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Wealth will delude you. You'll, you'll be so deluded you'd think that God's depending on you to keep God's work going. You'll get so deluded that you'll use it as leverage and wedge about, well, you keep that up, I'll think about finding me another church. I've had people, I've had people, I was going to be honest, you know, I've had people in this church years past threaten me with their money. Subtle. You know, they don't come out and just blatantly, they know better, they, they know that don't work. But they'll subtly act like, you know, you'll miss, you, you'll miss some stuff in the offer plate. You're in bad shape when you get there. Because I'm going to tell you something, God, don't need your, God doesn't need a dime you got. Amen. That's one reason I don't ask for money around here. I'm going to tell you something, I get a kick out of God showing himself strong and providing when, 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 I, I mean, when everybody thinks you're going to go broke. Amen. I'll tell you what, if God can feed Elijah on the, on the, on the, on the creek bank with ravens, he can take care of me. Amen. And we get so deluded, though, that we think we're important. Can you tell us that preachers get deluded? Oh, God, what's going to happen to the faith church when I'm gone? Lord, they won't be able to do without me. We think we're something when we're nothing. I mean, who, whose place is this anyway? It's God's place. How many here thinks God's able to raise up a preacher for this church? Now, it might be 30, 40 years before he has to, but I'm going to tell you what, he can do it. Amen. Let me just tell you something. Don't be deluded by wealth. Immorality can delude you. You can get to where, you know, yeah, you're immoral, but you just justify it because you just, well, David, he, the other, I, I don't know, was it you or who else was I? No, I was another preacher. I get these calls and these preachers. The preacher's calling me about an immoral situation in, in the church and, and dealing with a bad situation. And, and I, I told him, I said, well, I want to tell you a little something. I hate to tell you this, but that stuff's been around a long time. I said, David was a 70-year-old man, and guess what they did? They sent Abishag, a young virgin, down to lay in his bosom. So he'd get heat. What? A man after God's own heart? I mean, there's some. Th- I, I, no, Joseph Smith would have never put that kind of stuff in the Book of Mormon. <laughs> you know how you know you got a Bible? Because God tells it like it is. Amen. Amen. Immorality can delude you. You can justify it. You don't think it can? Read Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. Amen. He walked after it like an ox to the slaughter. Yes, sir. I want to ask you, are you saved today? I, I know I'm, I'm going long. Pleasure will delude you. The Bible said she that lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. And I'm going to tell you where the great delusion is in America. And that's government taking care of you. Amen. Government will delude you in thinking they'll take care of you. Amen. Boy, I don't have to worry about it. Government will take care of me. I'm going to tell you something. Governments, we're, this nation's had it. I don't know what we say, how many trillion are we in debt now? Amen. The only way they'll ever pay that's by printing money, and the more money they print, the less your dollar bills will buy. They take your buying power out of you. Yeah. By the way, we talk about judgment. Boy, it looks to me like it's just God has a way of just all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you wake up and you're hundred. Yeah. But you, it's unreal what it takes to live right now. Is that not right? Your dollars don't buy anything right now. Yeah. 
you can carry $100 worth of groceries out in each hand. I'll I, I tell you what I was thinking about. Just excuse my craziness, but, but I got some really nice timber I'm just starting to cut. I mean, these are beautiful trees. They're, they're mature. They need to be harvested. Some of them are getting a little bit, you know. And you, you saw them things down in route. They might be worth $200. And you cut them down. You buck them. You mill them. I'm talking about milled. And I was, you know what? I think I'm just going to let them stand. I'm going to let them rot. You know why? Because I go get fill up a gas and spend $200 and blow it out the tailpipe. Things are out of whack, and you know they are. They're bad out of whack, and they're going to get a lot worse with this guy that's running the show up here. I don't think he ain't running the show. Let's stand.